0: This is the Simi Sarah Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's news. Vancouver's Talk. Global SkyTracker weather on CKNW. Another beautiful afternoon in the lower mainland. Highs between 16 and 21 if you're inland. Clear skies this evening, a low of 6 degrees overnight. Mainly sunny once again tomorrow. Saturday though, a bit of cloud. And Sunday we'll see clouds and a chance of showers. In Burnaby right now, 20 degrees and sunny. Outside CKNW Pacific Centre, also 20 degrees. On the markets on CKNW, the Dow is down 24. Toronto down 19 points. And the Canadian dollar down 10 basis points to 77.03 three cents u.s cknw news time 106 i'm matt lee hi there it's willie from willie in the morning over at rock 101 and you're listening to Simmy sarah show on CKW. and this is what's happening right now
1: well, i anticipate we will see actual cuts to programs and services that kids need and help them succeed every day now we've got a world-class system in vancouver however i fear it's at risk because of the kinds of decisions we're going to have to make because of this chronic underfunding and downloading by the provincial government. That's Vancouver School Board Chair Mike Lombardi. He calls this a sad day, and we haven't even found out what all the news is yet. In about an hour, we will have a better idea. That is when they will release online the Vancouver School Board staff report on how they're recommending dealing with a 27.2 a shortfall that they're calling at this point. Let's talk more about that now. Terry Shintz joins us from the newsroom. And Terry, I know we've heard this before, but Mike Lombardi told us earlier this is the, only the second time they've had a shortfall this big. The last time was 2002. <laughs>
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about a pretty serious uh, dollar figure here, if this in turn turns out to be fact. $27 million budget shortfall within the Vancouver school system. Details will come down at 2 o'clock, and Janet Brown will be working on that. And what she'll be going through will basically be a blueprint of, okay, these are the recommendations of what could realistically be cut without harming the education uh, uh, more than we have to. I'm sure, Simi, this is going to fire up the debate over school closures and allocation of space and resources. And uh, it's a pretty serious amount of money, though, if in fact they are short $27 million dollars.
1: I mean, it could be anything. I mean, and Mike Lombardi said that everything is on the table here. School closures, teacher layoffs, program cancellations. He expects some combination of that. We actually heard when we were talking about the story from an, uh, a retired school administrator who was part of the 2002 budget process, which was the other largest shortfall that they had. And he talked about how destructive that was and how it really changed and impacted the system. And I, I guess Terry
0: Perrin should brace themselves at this point. That's probably a fair assessment. I mean, you can't, find a, you can't just find that money under a rock. You're going to have to make yeah. probably some pretty significant cuts, I would think, to uh, maybe programs that aren't real winners across the board, maybe some buildings. Uh, I'm very curious to see what the battle plan or at least what the suggestions will be. That will come down between 2 and 3 o'clock here on CKNW. But there's gonna, it looks like there's going to be some pain.
1: Yes. And if school closures are a part of that, it gets very politically complicated at that point because all three of the parties that are represented on the Vancouver School Board, Vision, Green, NPA, all campaign on a platform to not close schools. So that might be a bitter pill for a lot of people to swallow.
0: I think it, yeah, it probably will be. I mean, my take on it is is a different take you know, take away the emotion out of it. And I understand for kids to pack up from one school and leave to go to another school can be very difficult for, for children, for young students. Uh, but if you've if you're just looking at the numbers, and unfortunately there are times when you do have to look at numbers, if you've got a school that's sitting 40% full or half empty and you're losing a bunch of money or you've got to find money, is it really the end of the world to say, OK, we're we're shutting this down and we're asking you to go to a different school? I know some people will say, yes, it is the end of the world. But it's certainly been done many times all over the place over the years. And the kids can still keep learning, but in a different spot.
1: Yeah, I guess my question was that is, what do you do with that building? Are you expected to sell that building off? And what happens 10 years down the road? When the neighborhood changes and there's more kids and need school in this market, you can't just go buy another plot of land to build another school, right? This Definitely. Isn't, yeah, this isn't outside where you can just do that. If there's a new neighborhood, a new subdivision built, you put aside some land for a school. You just you can't do that. That's why it's a little bit different here. So anyway, as Terry mentioned, that's happening at, at 2. Janet Brown's following that story. Of course, stay tuned on the Linda Steele Show. And here at CKNW, we will have all of that information for you. We'll find out what else is happening right now. we we'll are talk speed limit. Next. Hey, this is Charmaine De Silva from the CKNW Newsroom. You're listening to the CKNW Simi Sarah Show, and this is What's Happening Right Now. So the recommendation to turn the city of Vancouver into one gigantic school zone. That isn't going to (laughs) work. I don't think it's going to work either. That was a caller to our buzz line, which the number for that, by the way, 604-331-BUZZ or 2899. We're talking about changing the speed limit because Dr. Perry Kendall has come out with that recommendation today as part of a report that looked at motor vehicle crashes right across the province from the years 2008 to 2012. And he said by reducing the city speed limit from 50 to 30, you could save a lot of lives. But Terry, I don't think people find that very realistic. Are you a speed demon, by the way?
0: Uh, Yeah.
1: Oh, such an honest answer. Yeah, I, I, mean, did, it... I didn't expect
0: that. <laughs> Let me retract <laughs> that. Yes. Um, Do you want to
1: think about that for a second?
0: Too late. I have immense respect for Dr. Perry Kendall, but I am chilled at the thought of a 30 kilometer an hour Speed zone far and wide. It just dawned on me, we may have fewer crashes, but we may have more road rage. If everybody's toddling around at 30 kilometers an hour. Again, I get it. Uh, Speeding, drinking, and distracted driving kill a lot of people in BC. Man, on a personal level, I would hate the idea of a 30 kilometer an hour speed limit. I know. I said that Uh. I I don't
1: even see people doing 50. You know, like sometimes when I'm doing 50... And I look down at the speedometer and I'm, and I think, why are people like tailgating me or whatever? But it's because I'm actually doing 50, 55, maybe nudging 60 and I'm still going too slow for people who are behind me.
0: Happens all the time. And how much time would that add to a commute? If you chop back from 50 or 60 kilometers an hour in various zones, because some of them are 60, uh, and said, okay, now you can't go above 30.
1: Yeah. Would you in your experience when you drive in and around a school zone, do you think people obey the school zone limit?
0: Generally speaking, yeah, I I certainly take it very seriously. Yeah, me I mean, too. on many Metro Vancouver roads, you know, you see people going 10, 15 over and I do that sometimes as well and I know you're not supposed to, but some of the roads just lend themselves to it and you can feel you can do it safely. Most times when I go through a school zone, everybody seems to be behaving themselves.
1: That's good. That's good. I know. Sometimes I think people forget, but uh, that's that's the limit that they're talking about. That 30 kilometers an hour where you slow way down in a school zone. That's what Dr. Perry Kendall is recommending. I don't think, as, as you put it well, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Dr. Perry Kendall, but I don't think this thing is going to go very far.
0: I don't think uh, the public would support it. Um, I'm sure you've been getting some calls and some feedback on that. Probably. Every
1: single person said, no, forget it. That's crazy.
0: Never do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it may well save a bunch of lives if we did take it down to 30 kilometers an hour, but. Ah, uh, yeah. Not not for me. No,
1: not for most people out there, Terry. All right, let's talk about another really interesting case and what's happening right now. And this is going all the way to the Supreme Court, and it has to do with a B.C. case. When
0: is it fair from the point of view of the broader public, when you have to say, well, look, this this bargain is simply unconscionable, it's too low or it's too high, and the judge is going to intervene and substitute some other sentence.
1: All right, that's lawyer Mika Rankin talking about this case. And, Terry, I have to tell you, I find this case fascinating.
0: Yeah, so the basic story, lawyer for a Vancouver man who pleaded guilty to manslaughter in exchange, and that's where someone ends up dead, but you didn't mean to kill them. Uh, as opposed to murder or first- or second-degree murder. Uh, Pleading guilty to manslaughter in exchange for an 18-month sentence in Supreme Court of Canada today. Arguing it's unfair for a judge to hand down a sentence higher. Rankin says he isn't arguing a judge should never disregard a plea deal. He says it's about... Uh, what is fair from the point of view of the broader public when you have to say, look, this bargain is is unconscionable, it's too low or it's too high, judge is going to intervene and bring in some other sentence. A B.C. judge felt that Matthew Anthony Cook deserved a two-year jail sentence and three years probation for delivering uh, two deadly punches to a volunteer named Michael Gregory in 2013. Uh, Supreme Court of Canada reserved its decision.
1: Uh, that's a tough one, right? So the... Two sides, the crown and the defense, agreed he pleaded guilty, and they agreed to a sentence. And then they go before the court, and the judge threw out the plea deal essentially and said, "I'm going to change it because I feel you deserve more."
0: Yeah, and I guess I guess that's the judge's prerogative. And I guess if you're on either uh, part of the legal team, you would, as best you can, want to take the pulse of the judge and you know your honor make or, sure
1: it's okay with them before you your do worship
0: this? yeah is this something that you can live with that That's can be done yeah. um and it, and it comes down to a certain extent to uh in my own experience just when i used to cover bc supreme what relation do they have with the judge so when i first heard this story that was that was a question that immediately came to my mind did they just agree to it and present it to the judge was the yeah. judge sort of at any point looped in along the way or the judge presented with this and said, no, I'm not satisfied with that.
1: Yeah, that is so interesting. So the Supreme Court, as Terry said, has reserved judgment on that. And we'll let you know when the decision comes down. We're going to talk some transportation. I know we've been doing that with speed limits, but let's talk a little Uber and let's talk improved bus service. Yes, it might just be happening. We'll find out more next. Hi, this is Bruce Allen. You're listening to the CKNW Simi-Sara Show, and this is what's happening
0: right now. All vehicles for hire can now be no more than 10 years old with annual safety inspections. Ottawa will also require $5 million in liability insurance and introduce a per-trip fee, with the money then going into a fund to subsidize accessible cabs.
1: Well, 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 look at that. The City of Ottawa making a big step forward today. In going forward and having Uber as part of their city, a lot of people would say, what's taking us so long now, Terry Schintz?
0: Yeah, I guess. Uh, So Ottawa, looks like they're going to give it a try. It's uh, operational in Edmonton and a lot of chatter about when it's going to come to Metro Vancouver or B.C. Uh, Uber launching what it hopes to be a charm offensive in the form of radio ads. I've
1: heard, though. Well, they're running here, so I've heard those.
0: Uh, Fassbender, the minister in charge, told us yesterday, Simi, he's not going to be rushed into anything. He doesn't care if they buy up all the ad time on planet Earth. But it, it is coming. That's the sense of it. The government itself has said that it is inevitable. Some of the things Ottawa is doing, um, as it allows Uber, uh, the city is going to require drivers to get regular police checks, uh,
1: They were also going to require taxi drivers to do things that Uber does, which is be able to allow people to pay by app. So not having to use your credit card in the vehicle. That's one of the things that people find really attractive about ride sharing apps is that you never have to take your wallet out or anything because if you're on the app, the payment goes automatically through there. So they're requiring uh, them to do that. uh, One of the other recommendations, which I thought was crazy, is they're taking the limit off the number of taxicab-like licenses that they would hand out.
0: Just opening up wide open. Opening
1: and making it wide open for people out there. And I can't even imagine how that would happen here. You know the stink that would raise because the Taxi Association, big supporters, not just of Vision Vancouver, but also of the BC Liberals. Yeah. That would be big-time controversial.
0: They're also saying in Ottawa, Simi, uh, all vehicles for hire can be no more than 10 years old, uh, which uh, makes sense. Uh, Annual safety inspections... So Ottawa is going to take the leap and allow Uber in, and I guess we'll have to see what kind of an impact it has on their marketplace. I know in Montreal, when they looked at it, uh, cab drivers there actually took to the streets in protest, if I'm recalling correctly, not wanting them there.
1: And was that in Toronto where the Uber protest got so violent, there was the taxi driver hanging outside the car while the Uber driver tried to drive away? may have been, yeah. Oh, well, it does sound like, though, times are changing. Like, Ottawa is taking a big step, and I believe they're voting on this next week. Right, so it's gone to committee, they'll debate yeah, vote, it a little bit more. Yeah, vote is
0: upcoming, but it looks like it is going to happen in Ottawa.
1: Okay, so we'd like a little of that, right? We'd like a little maybe more transportation, some better ways of getting around. And what's this I hear?
0: What is this I hear about possible improved bus service coming? Well, TransLink is considering changes to improve service on several of the busier bus routes uh, we've been talking about. Just recently, the number of pass-ups and uh, some of the problems on the system. So TransLink is looking to spruce things up on some of the routes, but it doesn't want to spend a bunch of extra money, which is hard to find these days. So some public consultation on service changes has come back. So what they're focusing on, uh, improvements to the travel times along busy east-west corridors like Hastings, 41st and 49th, which are all very busy. Both buses
1: are always packed.
0: They are jam-packed. Yeah. Yeah, so they want to focus on that. They want better connections downtown, better two-way service on those UBC community shuttles, And uh, starting in mid-April, they're also eyeballing, apparently, some changes to community shuttles in New Westminster and Vancouver. So over 12,000 people completed surveys, and these are sort of the main issues that have come back for the bus riders that TransLink says, okay, we're going to consider changes on these specific areas to try and make it a more uh, effective, I guess, and pleasurable experience getting from A to B.
1: You know, I find that so interesting because we always hear that, oh, it should be things should be run more like businesses. Things should be run more like businesses. Well, transit and in particular the bus service is the one area that I've I I've heard of where the demand far outstrips the actual supply. Like, if you did run it like a business, you'd be wow! Look at all these customers that we have sitting there waiting that we are passing up or not giving a chance to use our service.
0: All comes down to money, right? I mean, how much money do we have? We're getting what was it, three hundred and seventy million or four hundred and sixty million out of the out of the budget for some more buses and for some SkyTrain maintenance upgrades and what have you. But buying a bunch of buses costs a lot of money. It's just another aspect of a Metro Vancouver, which, quite frankly, is, uh, is well short on track, traffic and transit infrastructure.
1: True. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Terry. Thank you. That is Terry shins from the newsroom helping us out with what is happening right now. I'm sure, I think a lot of people out there would love to see more bus service. Boy, the lineups that I see every day of people waiting to get on the bus, they would love to see.
0: This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's news, Vancouver's talk.